It is in pardoning that we are pardoned. William Shakespeare. Just a good old boy, trying to be a good old man, out here learning on the fly, trying to do the best I Hello can. and welcome to the Faithful Fatherhood Podcast. I am Brett Etheridge, co-host of the podcast, joined as almost always by Perry Hughes. Perry, how are you this morning? I'm doing great, brother. Thanks. Yeah, I'm jealous of Perry, who is continuing on his epic family adventure. He is in the foothills of the Grand Tetons out in western United States, and so uh, just spectacular views and brisk morning. So definitely jealous of where you are coming to us from, but coming to us also from right here in the Knoxville area. My good friend and pastor, Pastor James Seiler of Authentic Church in Alcoa, Tennessee. Pastor James, how are you this morning? Good, Brad. Thanks for having me on, man. It's an honor to be here with you guys. Well, it's an honor to have you. I am excited isn't necessarily the right word. Uh, Anticipatory, perhaps is a better word, about this conversation. And I I really thank you for being on and being willing to help us wrestle with this topic. And so... So if you'll permit me, I actually want to give a little bit of a preamble and sort of set the stage. I know I know a lot of you listening may have hesitated to even click on this episode when you saw the title, because I think this is a challenging topic. We're going to talk about forgiveness. We're going to talk about fathers who have potentially hurt us and what to do with that. Like, what do you do with that? And if you'll remember... Our Father's Day episode, so just a couple of months ago, I talked about how Father's Day is the number 20 most celebrated holiday. Like 20. That's insane. Mother's Day is number one. Father's Day is number 20 behind Arbor Day. It's like, what's up with that? Well, what's up with that is there are a bunch of crappy fathers out there. There are a lot of fathers who have hurt their kids. I think we have a hard time sometimes knowing what to do with our experience with our earthly father. In episode 41, Heather Johnston, if you haven't listened to that episode, it's a powerful episode. And Heather shared a story about a boy that she encountered who was in a wheelchair because of her father. Sometimes our fathers hurt us physically. All too often, they hurt us emotionally and spiritually. And so what do we do with that? How do we handle that? And it's a hard topic. It's a painful topic. It's a very real topic for a lot of you listening. And Pastor James, who is on this call today or on this episode today to help wrestle with this and share his experience in his story. But just because it's hard and just because it's painful doesn't mean we avoid it. And so we want to talk about it. We want to address it head on. And that is going to be the subject and the topic of today's conversation. So for the listener, I just applaud you for being here. I uh, pray that you open your mind and and consider what we're going to share and talk about. And for you, Pastor, I thank you for always showing up and being transparent and open and honest and talking us through your story and some of what you have walked through and lessons that you have learned about forgiveness and forgiving a father who hurt us. So with all of that as background, setting the stage for this conversation, let's start maybe with just defining some terms. I mean, I think if we're going to talk about forgiveness, we should have a sense of what that even means. So when you think about forgiveness, and Perry, certainly feel free to weigh in with your definition as well, but but what does it mean to forgive someone? Why is forgiveness important? 
Yeah, it's pretty significant. And uh, in fact, I think it's greater than we even realize. Um, I mean, for those uh, that are listening to your podcast that are even believers, you know, the scripture is abundantly clear that um, if we can't forgive, the Father in heaven is, um, he struggles with forgiving us. Like it's significant, like the weight of this conversation. And like Brett, you said, man, uh, for folks to log in and be a part of this, this is probably one of the most meaningful conversations that we can have because a lot of us have a lot of pain uh, in regards to uh, just releasing our father. But simple definition for me is is releasing the offense. You know, something happened to you and it's important that we let it go. You know, the reality is, is most of us are holding on to things that nobody else is thinking about but us. And forgiveness is a gift from God to be able to say, you know what, I choose to let it go. I choose to release this offense. It no longer grips me, controls me, manipulates me, uh, haunts me, hurts me. I'm going to let it go, and I'm going to find the freedom that God so longs to give us uh, to each and every one of us. But, um, gosh, I this is a this is a personal topic for me, man, because uh, I've 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 wrestled with this a bunch because I've had a lot of pain with my fathers uh, over the years. Well, we'll certainly get into that story, and I understand that definition. I hear that definition. But man, that's hard, right? I mean, letting go, letting go of the offense, saying it does not bother me anymore. I am choosing to not even think about it anymore. Like, how do you, you always hear this phrase, uh, forgive and forget. I know personally in my own life, I've chosen to forgive certain people who have hurt me or offended me. And yet, like my human brain still remembers it. I still so how do you how do you hold those two things in balance? How can you choose to let go of the offense and how can you actually forget it? Uh, the strange thing is maybe I'm wrong, but uh, I have I've never forgotten the offense. And uh, but I choose to release its control in my life. Yeah. Yeah. And um you know for instance like you know my dad recently one of my dads is wanting to be a part of my life again. And um I've never forgotten what he's done, um, but I don't have any animosity when I see his name pop up on my phone and all of a sudden this random text with a cat emoji and all this stuff trying to engage me to some kind of interaction. There is no hint of pain from the past anymore, but I haven't forgotten, and I'm going to make him earn that. You know, if you're going to be a part of my life, you know, you got you to gotta pave the way once again. And um, so I don't think it's a bad thing to uh, remember, uh, but we're releasing this offense. It no longer has any grip on my life. And that's, I, that's for me, I think the difference is I, I haven't forgotten the offense, but I'm not holding it against him anymore. But I do require that uh, they earn that trust once again, if I'm going to let him back in my life. One thing I want to add to uh, that I, that someone enlightened me with, I can't remember how long ago this was, but you know, the scripture talks about when the Lord forgives us, because that's what we want to strive for is to have a forgiveness that is the same nature as the Father's forgiveness, the heavenly Father's forgiveness for us, right? And uh, the scripture talks about his forgiveness being so that our sin is as far from the east to the west. And the neat thing about that to me is it doesn't say from the north to the south. And if you think about the earth, the globe, the north is a measurable point and the south is a measurable point. So you can actually measure the distance from the north to the south. 
but try to measure from the east to the west. You can't. And so that's the type of forgiveness that the Heavenly Father has for us. And I think that's right in line as you talk about releasing the offense, complete release. I think that's that same kind of as far from the east is from the west. That means it's it's infinite, it's immeasurable, it's completely done and, and finalized. It's a process, obviously, to get to the point where you can release the offense to the point where it no longer has a grip on you. That's a journey. That's a process. It takes growth and and learning to get to that point. Walk us through how you even got to that point with your own fathers. Go back to the beginning and, and you mentioned two fathers. Maybe, Pastor, you can just tell us a little bit about, about your earthly father and fathers and, and how they hurt you. Let's start there. Well, well, I'm actually four deep. Um, so I have four dads now. Um, so my original uh, father, um, my mom came home early on. Uh, I think it was one or one and a half and uh, actually uh, found him having an affair with uh, one of her friends. And um, and so I don't have much early uh, uh, awareness of my birth father because uh, my mom was courageous enough to, you know, make a decision and go, you know, we can't, can't do this anymore. And uh, so she left, but she got remarried not long after that to a really good guy. He has just a good hearted guy. He was into racing. And so um, I got into racing as well. They raced uh, sidecars and motorcycles. And so I spent my summers at Sears point and uh, gosh, all the great racetracks on the West coast. And, um, and uh, just had some great memories, but my my dad had a, a little issue, and this is important for fathers too, man. If you got an issue that is impacting your family, you know you got to deal with it before it deals with you. You know he he liked to drink, but he was one of those mean alcoholics. Super incredible dude, like ninety nine percent of the time, and then when he would drink, he was just a jerk. And uh, so it got pretty bad over the years. And I was probably 10 or 11. And uh, he got really drunk one night and went after. Um, uh, he he went after my mom one night. And so we got into it in the hallway. And, and uh, it was just, just nothing good. It was just bad. The whole thing was bad. And so just, you, you know, as a kid, you got to come to your mom's defense. And so. Uh, so, but it was cool, man. I never forget. My mom came into my room probably about one in the morning and uh, she said, well, we're going to grandma's house. And uh, I knew what that meant. And um, so she, she had the courage again to, uh, to take off and I was proud of her, but man, it was hard. You know, I liked this guy, but uh, he just wasn't safe to be around, especially when he yeah. drank. And so um, then it wasn't a couple of years later, she got remarried to a guy that, um, was going to a Christian church. And uh, so I was like, all right, I grew up Catholic. So I had no idea. I had no context or no nothing. And so uh, he invited us to church and uh, I do it. I loved it because I was always curious about the divine. Like, I'm like, there, there's got to be something out there in the world. Like, you know, there's got to be something bigger. So even at a young age, I had this question and the strange part, it just hit me at a moment in my life where um, all the questions I was asking, it just seemed like the preacher was answering for me. And so I had an incredible encounter with the Lord. And so ended up going to high school. They had a big high school at this Christian church. And um, but 
pretty quickly, we noticed something was wrong with my dad as well. And uh, he was a bowler. He was an amateur bowler, but he was good, like really good. In fact, I think he had like eight, 300 games, 300 perfect Dang. games. <laughs> and uh, so he'd come home and he would carry big trophies and he have like a little prize purse and stuff he'd won. And so, uh, but it was just some of the dialogue and some of the interactions started to change. And um, then one day, my I was I remember sitting on the couch. My mom got a phone call from a lady, and uh, she said, "Hey, where's Dave?" And um, she's like, "Who are you?" And so, long story short, we found out that Dave wasn't as uh, Christian as we thought, and uh, he was having a lot of affairs on the West Coast with different people he met at bowling tournaments and things like that. And so, he came home. My mom confronted him um, on those relationships, and uh, I never forgot it, man. I was 16, 16 and a half, a junior in high school, and um, he uh, packed his bag and he walked past me. And uh, he he literally said, you know, son, I love you, and uh, but I just don't want to be your dad anymore. And he walked right past me. His luggage actually hit my leg as he walked out the door. And uh, it was like it almost hit me as a ton of bricks. And so I was like, because now I'm confused because this is like a Christian dude. And all of a sudden his behavior just, uh, just really wrecked me. So I kind of went down a rabbit hole for a couple of years. I'm grateful that I had an incredible athletic director at the high school I was going to and my little league baseball coach and uh, my youth pastor. Those three guys kind of tag team up on me and uh, just got me through the hard season. But a few years, fast forward a few years later, my mom met an incredible guy, Howard, and uh, they've been married ever since. Gosh, it's been 20 something years now. And uh, Howard is the nicest, kindest dude on planet Earth. And uh, he will talk your ear off if you let him. And uh, but he's been there for so many highs and lows and incredible moments. And so God, through Howard, has really restored a lot of uh, the lack of trust or hope that I had in even having a good father. And uh, so his his ministry to me has been very healing. I don't know if that's uh, a good way to look at it, but he's restored a lot of uh, a lot of trust that I lost over the years just by being faithful and consistent. And so that's kind of my story in my home. It was uh, it was wild. It was a wild childhood, and um, and I would say Brett, the biggest thing too that was a struggle for me is that because of my earthly fathers, I superimposed my understanding of God based on my earthly fathers. And so it was always a struggle for me to understand, you know, um, if I did wrong or if something happened, is God going to leave me too? And so I carried over my experience in my home onto God, and it took me many, many years to work through that stuff. And so um, that's kind of my journey, and that's why it's been such a struggle. And that's why when you said, let's talk about forgiving fathers, like it just resonated in my soul. Like we got to we got to get past this because it hurt me for years. And if I can help some other dude out there get free from this, I would love to do that today. Thank you for showing up to to help continue to have this conversation. I want to learn more about how you wrestled through that, how you dealt with the hurt of the unforgiveness. But I'm actually curious about this piece of things. I didn't know you had had actually four fathers. I met Howard. Great dude. Glad he's stuck. But is there something in a boy's heart that yearns for a father? Was it easy for you to view each new father as dad? Did you really connect with each of them emotionally to where the stepdad is like your real dad? What What is it in a boy's heart that we 
or, or a girl's heart that we as fathers need to know our kids are looking to us with. Does that, does that make sense? Yeah, totally, man. I, I can honestly say I was desperate for a father's attention. And so, yeah. you know, each new relationship, I, I latched on very, very quickly. I was sold out within, you know, a month or two. And uh, being young and naive and not knowing any different, I'm like, sweet, I got somebody in my life. And uh, I remember an experience, though, that absolutely changed my life that I've had to work through as well. But when my second, uh, we we had to leave my second dad, we went over and told my grandparents what was happening. And uh, my grandpa was not the best father figure either. He was, uh, I'll just say this, this is probably the nicest thing I can say. He was a piece of work. And, um, <laughs> I mean, I loved him, but he was tough. That's he was like tough the, to be around. That's like the Southern bless your heart. You know, it's like. <laughs> yeah, there you go. And that, that's, that's West Coast for the same thing. And <laughs> he's a piece of work. And um but I remember him making a statement and some somehow, some way I adopted it as my own. But he looked at my mom and he made a statement. Um, he said, if you would have done more, your husband probably would have stayed. And I'm like, that is the worst statement I could have imagined uh, saying to any person. But here's what happened to me, Brett. This is really interesting. Somehow it was meant for my mom, but I adopted it as my own. And so I adopted this strange lie that if I worked really, really hard, maybe my de- my dad would stay. So I did that with my next dad. Like, in fact, in high school, I was an average athlete, but I literally won every award in high school, MVP and uh, league honors and all kinds of stuff. And I was I was trying to get his attention. Does that make sense? But it carried over into my adult life. And I don't think fathers really understand that, that the choices that make have a mass ripple effect in their kids. And I was just desperate for his attention. But this thing haunted me in my whole life. And then I had a major burnout in ministry at age 38, where it took me literally two years to recover because I spent my whole life that I had adopted this lie and I was working through it and I couldn't find any freedom that I'm not. I'm I'm not just loved by God because of who I am. I'm loved by God because of what I do. And so this whole lie crippled me my whole life, and it almost took me out. In fact, I fell off the back of a, of a Stairmaster machine at a gym and uh, just couldn't breathe, thought I was having a heart attack. Turned out to be a big anxiety attack, and it was a giant wake-up call for me that what my dad did to me and what my grandfather reinforced as a child— uh, haunted me well into my 30s. And um, it was at that point that that was the turning point where I chose to start to forgive and work through that stuff. But it took me a good part of my life to even start to address it. So I know why this is so painful for a lot of guys. Because the hurt can come from so many different directions. I mean, that's that's a statement. Yes, that's a terrible statement. I I try to guard my tongue. You know, I'm right now praying, Lord, guard my tongue that I wouldn't speak such hurtful things. Certainly should have Amen. dawned on him that, I mean, that's that's a hurtful thing to say to anybody. But the fact that you then, the son, hear that, adopt that. As an aside, maybe I'll ask this question. We can kind of go down this rabbit hole for a minute before coming back to the forgiveness piece, which is, what are some ways that even well-intentioned fathers can hurt our kids? What should we be careful of? I'm not yeah. cheating on my wife. I'm not telling my kids that I don't want to be a part of their lives anymore. I'm not doing, quote-unquote, the 
big yeah. things that for sure, I'm not a raging alcoholic, but is it inevitable that we as fathers will somehow hurt our kids, even if we're not trying to? And so my question again is, what are ways that we might unintentionally be hurting our kids that we need to be on guard about? That's good. So none of us are perfect. So, you know, to think that you're going to, your kids are going to move into adulthood and, you know, not have any residual impact from our lives is foolishness. Like, you know, even today, there's some things that I've uh, done that I look back and I'm like, oh man, I can't change that. But I think one of the first things to start off with guys is, um, you know, most men are not good at measuring their words. You know, the old adage, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me is the biggest lie imaginable. I just words told have Jackson weight. And uh, in fact, yeah. J- the book of James says that, uh, you know, there's power in uh, the tongue, both life and death. And if I can give a guy any encouragement is to carefully measure your words before you speak them and never speak in anger. Yeah, You know, wait till that passes before you speak. And um, the other big one, too, that I see a lot of guys struggle with is emotional engagement. And I just needed my dad to really be there, like be there in the moment. I think that's what compels me so much about Jesus. Like he sat down on rough days with people and he cried. He probably laughed, too, man. He probably had an incredible time with his disciples. They, They probably just cut it up and then there's days when Lazarus is dead and he's just broken. And uh, I felt like my dad's never really engaged. They never got it. Like when I was sad, they could care less. When I was happy, they're like, well, I'm not happy. So nobody's happy kind of thing. And I think that's really important as emotional engagement. Are you locked into your family? Does your family feel your engagement uh, even from the emotional side? And then other thing that I long for that I never got from my father's is I really long for them to speak destiny destiny over my life. Mm. Um, I didn't have a clue who it was. You know, I thought it was sports. Uh, I thought it was a bunch of things. And uh, little did I know that God had a different plan. But I had nobody, I mean nobody, speak any kind of destiny. God created you for this. There's a purpose for your life, son. I le- I was wandering around for so many years uh, in the dark, bumping my head against, I felt like I got a lot of unnecessary bumps on my head going through doors that I should have never walked through. And uh, I just wish somebody would have spoke that over my life. That would have been pretty significant. And then I really never had anybody that would bring up the hard topics. You know, I struggled with some things in private as a teenager uh, that I had zero individuals to talk to, nobody. And, uh, you know, there's some just some battles that young men face and, you know, to not have that open door where you can say, hey, buddy, how's it really going and bring up those hard topics. But right off the top of my head, Brett, those are four things that we could probably do a little bit better at. And I think if we did, we'd have a greater impact in our kids' lives. Yeah, absolutely. And then another thing I want to add to that, because you're talking about your childhood and I think back to my childhood and we didn't have constant um, entertainment computers in our pockets all the time when, when we were children growing up. And I know there were plenty of things that distracted well-meaning dads at that time. I mean, we're men, we have responsibilities, households, jobs, stress, like there's so much to buy for our attention. But one thing as I sit and reflect on my own behavior is, man, I don't want that computer in my pocket to, steal what should be time 
attentive to my children and steal that focus away. And it's, it's really easy to get sucked into that rabbit hole and be distracted by media, entertainment, Facebook, Instagram, you know, all the, all the different things in addition to responsibilities, work, email, bills, et cetera, et cetera. So I love all the points that you said. I think that really hits home, you know, for a lot of folks. And then I just want to throw that in the hat too, is, um, you know, when I get home from work, I don't keep my phone in my pocket. I put it down at a special spot in the kitchen because if it's not in my pocket, dinging, 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 if it's set away, it's much easier for me to be like fully engaged um, mentally and emotionally with my family, you know, like what you were talking about. Yeah. I read a startling, right along with what you're saying, I read a startling study about the nature of fatherhood uh, years ago. And in the study, it actually said, and I felt like the study was true and accurate, but um, this this was a startling message, and I sure hope it's not true. They said the average dad in America spends 85 seconds a day of uninterrupted time with their child. Wow. wow. I was like, man, if that is remotely close to being true, because, you know, the reality is a lot of us got about 50 things on our minds and our kids can tell when we're not there. And so I think, man, one of the greatest gifts that we can give our kids is to be fully present. Just be there, really be there. And, um, you know, I wish I had that growing up, but I'm working really hard at making those adjustments with my own kids nowadays. So, yeah. Let's swing back then to the forgiveness piece. So we're hurt potentially in big ways, potentially in unintentional lack of being emotionally available, however it is that we're hurt. How do we get to the point where we can forgive our father? You've talked about how it took you years in some cases to get to the point where you could forgive and release that offense. How did you walk out that journey? How did you, how do you, how did you know that you were ready to forgive? And then what is the practical application of that? Did you pick up the phone and say, dad, hey, I have a conversation I need to have with you. Is is forgiving your father something you just do in the recesses of your own heart? What's the practical application? But how do you get to that point to know that you are ready to forgive your father? Well, I don't know how you feel about counselors, but my counselor uh, was incredible. So I'm in my mid-30s now. Uh, I experienced burnout. All of a sudden, I'm sitting across uh, a table chatting about my life. And uh, she identifies this lie that I've adopted as a child that um, I'm only valuable to God because of what I do. And so carried over into ministry and all this other stuff. But through that conversation, I go back several times and um, she challenged me with this. And uh, she said, if you're ever going to walk into the fullness of what God has in store for your life, you got to release those fathers and let them go. And uh, she says, it's not optional for you. And it was like somebody dropped the hammer. Like, I'm like, all right, I got to do this. I got to do the hard work at letting them go. And so um, I honestly didn't want to, but I knew that my future was attached to my decision uh, to release them from the offense. And so I'd held on to it. Gosh, I'm in my mid thirties, man. It's embarrassing to say that, but you know, the scars run deep if I'm, if I'm really honest. And so 
I was really intentional about reaching out and uh, and letting those guys go. And so I started with my birth father. I knew he liked golf and we had some interactions over the years. So I called him up and uh, I just say, hey, you want to play golf? So we went to Mather Air Force Base. They have a golf course out there in Sacramento area and played a round of golf and uh, in the golf cart. Uh, I just turned to him and uh, I said, man, I, I'd like to talk to you about some hard stuff because we're waiting for a, a group to tee off in front. and. Um, and I just said, I, I've struggled for years, you know, with what you've done. And uh, but I just wanted you to know today I, I'm I'm uh, I'm letting you go and uh, I'm not holding on to it anymore. And I'd love to see if somehow, some way it, it was crazy, Brett. I'm telling you, man, like if I could feel the presence of heaven in a golf cart, I felt it on like the 13th tee box. And all of a sudden it was like this just this giant weight is lifted off. And so my dad gets all emotional. I was like, I've never seen him emotional. So he's like, he's like, man, I've, I've waited for you to say that for a long time. It was an incredible moment. And um, so it was just awesome. But as God is my witness, God has a sense of humor too, right? So we have this incredible <laughs> moment on the tee box at 13, on the whole number of 15, right? Just two two holes later, not an exaggeration. This is a true story. You're going to think I'm making this up. This is not, this is the <laughs> God's honest truth. So my dad is hitting a ball on a hill. And if you've ever played golf, um, when you hit a ball that's like elevated above your feet, it's pretty difficult to do. Like it's, it's not for the average bear. Like you got to know what you're doing. Well, he took a hefty swing and he missed the ball. And mind you, he's on a hill, like a steep incline. And when you miss the ball, like sometimes you lose your balance, right? And so he starts losing his balance and he's a pretty big dude. And so I'm like, oh my gosh, he's going to fall. <laughs> and so like his legs are not keeping up fast enough. And he's going down this hill like he's just booking it now, right? But at the bottom of the hill, there's like a little, like just some leftover uh, water from like a rain prior to it. And as God is my witness, man, he literally goes face first into this puddle and his face comes up and he's got dirt and mud and twigs and everything in his face and his hair. And I don't know why, bro, but I just started cracking up. I could I <laughs> absolutely belly laughing going, Lord, you are so good. That was awesome right there. And so in a strange way, I'm like, Lord, like you want me to not only do you want me to let this thing go, but you knew all along that you could turn a terrible situation around to something good. And um, so we laughed about it, joked about it still to this day. Uh, I asked him if he wants to play golf and he's like, I'm never playing golf with you again kind of thing. <laughs> and so, uh, and so I just know that God can turn around any terrible situation, but it takes courage and really yeah. there's nothing magical to it, Brad. I just had to bring it up one day on a tee box uh, in Sacramento, just going, you know what? Uh, I'm going to let it go. I'm going to release you. And, um, and uh, God, God really meant, it was cool. God really met me in that moment. I've, I've probably felt the strongest presence of heaven in that moment than I had in a long time. And so, um, so I had to do that one by one with my, uh, with my earthly fathers and, uh, and let them go. So. There might be fathers listening to this who realize they have offended your father, your birth father, in this case, after you chose to forgive him, said, I have been waiting a long time for 
for that. But he never came to you and asked for it. He never swallowed his pride. He never initiated. That's that's that would be a hard thing too for a father, right? What advice or what what would you say to a father who might be feeling that tug of, look, I know I messed up. How can I go back to my son and try to make it right? It's a hard thing to do, right? But the forgiveness can go both directions, the asking for forgiveness rather than just choosing to forgive. Yeah, I think if you're a dad out there and you recognize that uh, you have uh, let your kids down and failed in some way, one of the most courageous and humble things you can do is go to them and say, you know what, I was wrong. Yeah, uh, probably the most three powerful words that any father can tell a kid is I was wrong. And um, I don't know, it's just not a lot of dudes are willing to do that. But I think somebody that's matured in their manhood and masculinity has the ability to acknowledge when they have made a mistake and uh, has the strength and the courage to go, you know what, will you forgive me? And uh, I just wish a lot of a lot of fathers had had that capacity to do, but you know, pride and arrogance and uh, all those things hinder us from just going. You know what? I blew it. I made a mistake, yeah. and so I, I never got that from any of my dads. And um, so it would have been nice, but I didn't need it. I read a book by J.I. Packard called Total Forgiveness, and that was in my process of going through the with the counselor. This is the most genius work that I've ever read on the topic of forgiveness. And just the title of it, Total Forgiveness, you know, not a partial, not holding on to some of those things. He even challenged me in my belief because I've held on to the memories of them. He challenged me with the memories of them to even let the memories go. And I'm like, no, I can get that far, but I'm going to hold on to the memories. And maybe maybe I need to mature in that too. But um, I wish more guys had the willingness to go, you know what? I was wrong. And will you forgive me? I think you could transform a family and uh, restore relationships overnight. And so, uh, but remember this, what the Apostle Paul said, we've been given the ministry of reconciliation. You and I have been given the privilege, not just like the responsibility, but the privilege to go back and to make things right. And so, and if you're out there today and you've, you know, you messed it up with a kid, you know, humble yourself, you know, take, take the first step, man, that'd be amazing to see and to hear stories of this podcast where you just said, you know what? I took the first step and uh, God's working it out. And uh, now I'm playing golf with my kid. And uh, that would be amazing, man. I would love to hear those stories. I'll find that book and I'll post it in the show notes below. I'm wondering how, just really how freeing it truly is when you forgive for both sides, for both parties. You talked about the weight that you felt lifted off of you. You talked about how your dad responded and imagining the impact that it had on him. And again, I even go back to the well-intentioned fathers. I had I had an experience that has stuck with me to this day. This is over 20 years ago now. My, my dad, my earthly father, who's still alive, uh, but about 20, 20 plus years ago, he had a heart incident, age 51. He was a trial lawyer, a lot of stress, maybe not the healthiest lifestyle, and and we nearly lost him to a heart attack. And he ends up being rushed into basically emergency open heart surgery down in Florida. So we weren't even together. He was traveling with my mom, and um, so I, I was back up in you know our home in Maryland, Washington D.C. area. And I remember she called called to tell us what was happening. Your dad's about to go in for surgery. You know, we were all kind of blown away by this. And I remember. Kind of when when I met my mom at the hospital, or maybe it was even on the phone, she said, "Your dad wanted me to let you know that he is sorry for not being a better father." 
And that didn't make any sense to me because in my mind, he was the best father. He was, in my mind, even at that point, I was in my, I guess, late teens, early 20s. I think I was about 20 when this happened. I couldn't remember him ever missing a baseball game. You know, I feel like he spent time with us. We went on vacations. Yeah, he worked a lot, um, made a good living for our family. And so as the kid, I didn't even feel like he was a bad father, but he harbored guilt to where his potential last words. Now, he made it through the surgery. He didn't know if he was or not, but like he was carrying guilt, even as what I thought was a good father. So I just wonder how many fathers, how many men out there carry around guilt, shame, feelings of inadequacy that could be released by a son saying, you know, dad, dad, I forgive you. I'm curious your guys' thoughts on that. Should we, because I've never even thought about the need to forgive my father, but should I? Would it make sense for me to go have a conversation with my father even now and say, dad, I love you. You were a good father. I forgive you for any any areas where you feel like you have fallen short. The strange thing is sometimes the kid has to be the parent, you know, and sometimes we got to lead and recognize like, man, you know, my, maybe my dad isn't getting it. And so maybe you feel the prompting to go to your dad or whatever and to make it right. Because here's what I've found to be true um, in the unique role that I serve as a pastor. I get invited to a lot of uh you know, deathbed situations and, uh, you know, marriages that aren't going to make it and that kind of stuff. And I've, I've, I get invited to these moments for people. And I found out the worst thing to live with in life is regret by far. Every time I show up at those things, everybody brings up the way they used to do things and the the way they wish they would have done things. And I could have made it better. I should have done this. I, I've never been to one of those things where they didn't have some kind of remorse uh, towards, you know, the choices they've made, even the hardest of hearts. I uh, Gosh, I remember a guy struggling with alcohol, just the nasty old cantankerous dude. At the end, he was just like, I wish I would have done it differently. And uh, so maybe you as a kid has to go to the dad and go, you know what, dad, I just want you to know I forgive you. And maybe, maybe you're the release mechanism for the dad to find some freedom. Seems strange that we'd have to play that role as a child, but it might be quite possible that uh, you could bring that gift to them as well. What? So you, you talked about having four fathers. You said your four fathers deep, but really your five fathers deep. How has God fathered you? Ooh, when you were, so good. yeah, when you were seeking desperately for the attention of a father and you continued to be let down over and over and over again. And then you saw the hypocrisy with your quote unquote Christian father. And then you started to question and doubt and is what I'm thinking I'm seeing in the Catholic church that this pa- that, that this priest is like answering all these questions I didn't even know I had. And yet I see my earthly father doing this and you're let down again. Where did God step in? How did he play the role of father? And what truths did you learn about fatherhood from God that countered some of the lies of fatherhood that your earthly fathers exhibited? So I was uh, 15 years of age and um, I was serving. I've never forgotten this moment. It's probably the most, I would say it's top five uh, most influential moments in my life. I served as a 
uh, summer intern at a big church uh, in California, and we ran a summer camp for junior high kids. And uh, goodness gracious, man, you work with a bunch of junior high kids. I feel like you get some kind of special reward in heaven uh, for that. But um, I'll never forgot it. We invited a guy from Alaska named Dan Baker, and uh, he shared and preached. And I, I don't know how your audience feels about church or spirituality. I'm just telling you my experience. This was a life-changing moment for me. In the middle of his, like, the end of the service thing, he he turns. He's literally walking the other side of the stage, and he turns and he points, like, with this big bony finger at me. And he says, and you, God will want you to know he's not like your earthly fathers and he's never going to leave you nor forsake you. Now, mind you, I've never met Dan, never talked to Dan, never talked to Dan again. And all of a sudden, like he starts reading my mail and sharing all kinds of stuff. And it was the only guy in my teenage years that spoke destiny over my life. Hmm. He actually, he actually told me, he says, the Lord has called you as a shepherd to his people. And I'm doing that to this day. And I would say uh, the biggest thing for me is to, I've had those moments over the years where God has made himself known in the midst of my pain that I'm not going to walk out on you. I'm not going to leave you. Um, In fact, today, the one thing that I am so incredibly grateful for about God is this consistency. He's always showed up for me, even when my other dads did not. And so um, gosh, I have an incredible track record now that I'm getting older. I'm in my 40s and I look back and see how God has been there the whole time. Like he has proven his faithfulness. When other people walked out, he was always there for me. So um, I'm fortunate just to be able to look back. And if I mapped out a track record of my life, I can tell you over and over and over again, God has been that fourth man in the fire with me. He never left me on my hardest of days. And so for that, forever grateful. But uh, it started like all of a sudden my eyes opened when that big bony finger of Dan Baker came <laughs> down and said, and you <laughs> and never, never forgotten it, man. So very cool, man. This has been, uh, has been incredible. I still, I still think though about, about men listening to this who are thinking, yeah, but my dad just doesn't deserve it. My dad doesn't deserve it. I have been so hurt. You don't know what he did to me. What would you say to men listening who may feel that way? Well, if you're looking at a spiritual sense, um, none of us deserved God's forgiveness, but he chose to forgive us on our worst days. Um, so you, if you're some kind of spiritual believer listening to this podcast, that that has to be a weighty part of that decision. But I would tell you, I, I got another quick story about uh, my third dad, the Christian one that offended me the most. And um, so he left when I was 16 and a half, and uh, I, I had zero interaction with him after that. Until I was 21, on my 21st birthday, my buddies decided to take me golf. So we go out to Cord- Cordova Golf Course and I played that course a thousand times, man, their hot dogs were cheap. The carts didn't run well. The course was terrible. I was just, it was like home to me though. And so the guys were like, Hey, we're going to take you out for your 21st birthday. We're walking out to the first tee and there's guys teeing off there. And as God is my witness, this, this blew me away. I hadn't seen him mind you in four and a half, five years. 
the guy turned around that had teed off and it's my dad. I, I haven't seen him in four and a half, five years. And now he's playing in the, the group directly in front of me. And if you've ever played golf, you know that it's respectful to let the people in the fairway get far enough away before you tee off. I, I got to be honest. I, I for about 15 holes straight, I hit into them every single time. <laughs> I told my friends, I'm teeing off first. And I was hammering balls. One time I actually hit the cart and like something inside of me is like, yes. And I was just like, and I'm telling you, it was like one of the coolest moments, like just getting some stuff out. Cause sometimes you just got to work through some stuff. And I had, I've never forgotten it. There was a marshal on the course and he watched me tee off and hit into him. And I knew him because I'd play there all the time. And he comes up alongside me, says, hey, let me talk to you for a minute. He said, why are you hitting into those guys? And I was like, well, and I tried to give him some, you know, story and make up some lie or whatever. And and he said, no, why are you really hitting into those guys? And I I, I literally told him, and I, I probably had a cool God encounter with the marshal that day, but I'm like that. Uh, he's like, that's my dad. He left. I'm mad. All this other stuff. And uh, and then he tells me his story about holding on to pain about his dad. And I'm like, holy cow, I didn't expect any of this to happen on Cordova Golf Course. Right. And so he said, if I can give you a bit of advice, son, because he's an older guy and uh, he only did the marshalling thing because he got free golf. But it was a God encounter for me. He said, if I can give you any kind of encouragement, he said, man, if you're going to move on in life, you got to let him go. And um, that was about hole 15 in the last three holes. I didn't hit into him one time. I still teed off first and I was tempted to smash the ball right into his golf bag. But I was like, you know what? It's not worth it. And so I made a choice that day when I was 21 to let him go. And um, because here's why, you know, of anybody that could have twisted and manipulated my view of God, it was the dad that took me to church. And I was not going to let him do that. At that point in time, I was now in Bible college and I was pursuing the ministry and I wanted to be a pastor. And I was like, you know what? There's too much at stake for me to let my future go. Being angry at a guy that doesn't remember my name. Does that make sense? And so I chose to let him go that day. It was hard, but uh, rest assured, I had about 15 really good holes of pounding the golf ball into the back <laughs> of his golf. That's so, awesome. And then you, then you let him go, and then you like triple bogeyed the last three holes. <laughs> yeah, I don't even remember what happened after the after the Marshall conversation, but uh, yeah, that's awesome. some old guy that I I hardly knew changed my life about the fifteenth hole of the golf course. So. I've never asked you this. Um, kind of switching gears a little bit, just as we wrap this conversation up. I I think this has been incredibly helpful and healing and thought provoking in terms of this idea of forgiveness. I'm curious for you though, having such a tumultuous childhood, not necessarily finding what you felt like you wanted in your earthly fathers. What was your mindset going into fatherhood yourself? I mean, you have a lot of kids. Like, did you always want to be a father? And what was your intentionality? Like, I'm going to be different. Was that something that was conscious for you? What was your what was your mindset going into your own fatherhood journey? Well, um, I, the biggest thing for me too is that you can choose your pathway forward. You really can take what you've experienced in life and get bitter because of it and get mad and you know. But at some point, somebody's got to break the cycle in your family. And so um, I remember. Just even telling the Lord one day, if you choose to give me kids, 
you know, I'm going to I'm going to break the cycle. I'm going to be very intentional about um, parenting differently. I'm going to be there for my kids. I'm never going to leave them. And, you know, marriage has not always been easy um, and serving in ministry. Sometimes people in the church can be they can be uh, I love I love church people, but sometimes y'all can be mean. And so um, <laughs> it's been a it's been a journey. But you know what? I made that decision uh, many years ago that if the Lord would give me kids, I would do it differently. And so I guess for your listeners on this podcast, you you got a choice in this. You're not powerless and you're not a victim. You know, you, you're not defined by what happened to you. You can choose a different pathway. And so I'm not perfect, but gosh, I work really hard at being a great dad. I want to be a great dad. I don't want my kids to look back and go, you know what? I'm in counseling dad because of you. I want my kids to look back and go, you know what? I'm better because of you. You helped me discover my purpose, you know? You know, I don't want to miss a ball game. I don't. So I've used, I guess, my pain over the years to compel me to move forward, to be a better dad. And so rightfully so, I think it's been the motivating factor in my life to to make the changes. So I guess guys out there listening to this podcast, uh, break the cycle. You can be different. Yeah. You're, not a, you're not a victim. You can change and you can be a great dad. God will help you. Okay. Well, good stuff. Anything we've missed, Perry? No, that's. I think that's an incredible conversation and uh, an incredible wrap up and an, and a wonderful encouragement to dads and, <clears throat> frankly, a fantastic challenge to me. You know, I just want to. Uh, I just want to grab my phone and like throw it in the woods and be like, I'm not going to get distracted anymore. Uh, you know, we're out on this big adventure with our kids, and it's still easy to get distracted. It's still easy to fall short, and so. Uh, thank you, Pastor, for coming on the show and joining us today. And thank you for encouraging me to be a better dad. You know, as I sit here today, I just I'm excited about the opportunities that are in front of me today to pursue my kids and the opportunities that are in front of me today to speak destiny in their lives and speak purpose and truth and God's plan for them. So thank you so much for who you are and thank you for sharing your time with us today. It's been fantastic. Yeah, absolutely, man. It's been a joy to be with you guys. Uh, you're a good-hearted man, man. I can totally tell. And so just an honor to be on your podcast today. Thank you. And with all of that, we will wrap up now this episode of the Faithful Fatherhood podcast on forgiveness, a hard topic, an important topic, perhaps the most life-giving topic that we have talked about yet on the Faithful Fatherhood podcast. So I will let you all get to it. Perry, I'll let you get back to your family adventures in the Grand Tetons. Pastor James, I will see you soon. Thank you again, as always, to the listeners, and we will be with you again next week on the Faithful Fatherhood podcast. Take care, everyone. Oh,